0: Let's see if we can figure out your true tell.
1: You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a vopreneur. Welcome to the Everyday Vopreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Self-marketing—it's
0: something that no voice actor likes to think about, but every voice actor needs to think about, and that's where Vopreneur.com comes in. This is your hub for all things marketing your voiceover business. From the Everyday Veopreneur podcast to free Advice Friday live streams to premium masterclasses and coaching, veopreneur.com is your guide through the business of voiceover, and it will give you the resources that you need to become a more confident and effective marketer. Check it out at veopreneur.com. That's veopreneur.com. The Veopreneur podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck.
1: Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Myers, not as smart as Colbert, but he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original, everyday VO-preneur.
0: To deliver a genuine, authentic read in the booth, which is literally what every audition script you'll ever see asks for, you've got to be genuine and authentic to who you are. And that is often easier said than done, as it seems that most of us have the ability to get in our own way more often than not. My guest today is someone who has been helping voice actors get out of their heads and, dare I say, get into their hearts for many years using his True Tell technique to help us find our true voice. Welcome to the show, Dave Walsh. That's so lovely. Thank you, Mark. I put a little effort into that, eh? I put a little effort into that.
2: Dude, and I, you, I, you know, I see, I see it and you, every verb was conjugated
0: correctly. Every, every, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming everything was spelled right. Uh, I I make no promises about that. But what I really want to know was, did it sound genuine and authentic enough?
2: It did. It did. It was very, it was very authentic. And you, well, you know, you and I go back to the point where, you know, I, I, it, it's always like a shorthand when I talk to you because we when we first met, it was, you know, when Let, we get into let's that. Let's go but,
0: there, Dave. Let's go there. Why don't you tell your version of the story of our very first meeting ever?
2: <laughs> I, first of all, I'll say you were pissy, but that's okay. That, that's, that's how I begin the story. So what, the, what happened was I first met Mark and his lovely wife uh, in Dublin, Ireland for one of J. Michael Collins's retreats, which was in 2019 or 2018. 2019. 20, 2019, right before COVID. So I had never met Mark Scott. I knew about Mark Scott. I never knew, I, I mean, I've, everyone in the world had talked about you. And I was one of the few dweebs that either had not been introduced to you or whatever else. And I'm like, I don't know whether the guy doesn't like <laughs> me, I have no idea. Yeah, that's it. So I never met you before. So it just so happens that Mark and his wife were flying into Dublin and J. Michael had, J. Michael is so gracious when it comes to the way he treats his presenters and his speakers and everything else. And then we have a a car service that takes us from the airport it's pretty fabulous. it is. What ended up happening was they got off this flight from Toronto and they sat, tell me if I'm wrong, they sat in the car at the airport in the underground
0: parking for how, how long? Oh, it was over an hour. Yeah, we sat in the underground parking it just
2: in the underground yeah. garage for like over an hour, and they couldn't figure. They they were just I forget what you were waiting for. We but, didn't but it, we didn't know where the driver forever.
0: went. He 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 went to find somebody else and never came back.
2: That's <laughs> yeah. right. I forgot now. That that was totally yes. what it was. So they show up on Sunday afternoon, the day before everybody's supposed to start, and it's raining. And it's, of course, in Ireland. But he had been sitting, and they had been so tired, he hadn't slept the whole night. He walks in to the lobby of the hotel. Mary Ellen's very gracious. She's like, hello, nice to meet you. He literally looks at me and just goes, hi. <laughs> J. Michael goes, Mark Scott, Dave Walsh. And I said, Mark, it's so nice to meet you. Hi. It was that, was, it was it was that so loving. <laughs> and I went, he friggin hates me. I, I had no idea why, but I was just like, he hates me. And I have no idea. So that was the very first moment, but what ended up happening over that week was a complete transformation where he got some sleep yes. and got some food. Yes. And it really turned into an incredibly beautiful week. And I will tell you all that, not because he's in front of me, but it sure as hell helps, uh, that Mark has been one of the biggest cheerleaders for me over the past since we met. And I, and I could not, and I, I was, I've said this to you before, but I'll say it to your face. I, I I am so grateful for the belief you have in what I do, and I feel the same way about you. And when I send people to you, it's the same thing. We have a very quick shorthand that I trust what he does, he trusts what I do, and I, I I'm really I'm really grateful for that. For you being pissy on day one, <laughs> it anyway. was
0: it was like honestly <laughs> the worst possible first introduction in the history. Oh, uh, like man. I've never I have nothing else to even remotely compare that to because of of how. I don't like, I remember it vaguely, but I was so, I was like, honestly, almost unconscious at that point. I was so tired and I I was definitely a little you grumpy were. and, and I mean, I have limited social skills to begin with. So then when you take that coupled with, <laughs> with, you know, jet lag and everything else, I was like, Oh my God. But I did try to make up for it later in the week when I said some nice things about you on the on the, on the Facebook. And, you know, we, we, we I tried to make up for it because I felt really bad. I was like, oh, see, I think it's funny that you're like, Mark Scott hates me. I'm like, Dave Walsh has no idea who I am. And he's this big shot guy from L.A. And now I have just literally made the worst impression in the world that he's probably never going to talk to me ever again. I'm like, I need to. How do I make it up to Dave? How do I?
2: No, but and, and everybody just one other thing, just really to kind of kind of tie it together. This is how he made up for it, which I I could, I mean, it was incredible. So I do my workshop. I'm doing a workshop, and Mark says, "Can I sit in?" And I said, "Of course." When you go to these workshops for Jay Michael, a little bit of a plug. The great thing about it is, is that the other coaches want to sit in on your workshops. Like it's not, we're not when there's not like protective information that we don't want to share with each other. It's really cool because you go and you support each other, and so. Mark comes in. Mark not only comes in, but sits right in front. All the other, cl- the other clients, the, 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 the attendees were kind of around this table and Mark sits dead center in front of me. So all of a sudden, in the middle of the workshop, I see this. <laughs> and he's doing this and he's looking up. And then he gets up and leaves the room. Then he comes back and sits down. And he's literally, the phone is, this is happening more than he's actually watching me. And I'm going, Really, are you this friggin' bored? I mean, first he ignores me as pissy. <laughs> now he comes into the workshop and there's a total 180 again, where now he's becoming completely disconnected. So when it was over, I'm like, how do I broach the conversation? I'll just do it. Um, Dude, uh, bored in the workshop? He's like, what? And I said, um, was, it, was it that boring? He goes, no, I, Dave, I just have been going out. He had been tweeting and Facebooking to his audience, you guys, about how dynamic the workshop was. You need to work with Dave Walsh. And he goes, as a matter of fact, when you go back to your room, you'll probably have four or five emails from people. No one before or since has ever done that for me. And again, it's one of those things, I love talking about it publicly because I don't really talk about it, but it's the fact that all of you that work with Mark know this about him. Those of you that are spending time Listening to us babble, <laughs> um, really understand that when he's invested, he's invested, and I and I can't. That's something that's really rare, not for Canadians, but for Americans,
0: maybe. <laughs> that's what. it um,
2: is. But that's really. But it re- it's a culture. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So when he asked me to be, when you asked me to be on the program, I was like, absolutely. You know. So uh, anyway, that's that's how we met. That first. It was
0: <laughs> it was memorable. It is a story that we will that we will tell for ages. So look, I want to get into the coaching side of things because what you do is incredible. But I think there are a lot of people that don't know the story of Dave Walsh, the voice actor. So why don't you give us a little bit of that background? Because I think it sets up what sure. ultimately happens with the coaching.
2: Yeah, no, I, I have been, I was so blessed to have an incredibly successful voiceover career. And that came from years of coaching and years of just passion of, you know, I'd always been, um, enamored with the microphone. I wanted to be a radio DJ when I was in uh, high school. And, you know, a lot of us were the geeks where we would create radio shows and, you know, all kinds of things. And I would write my own spots and all that. So I loved it. Uh, but I became a voice actor. This is now going on year 33, The first year that I was a voice actor, I met Tom Pinto, the wonderful, uh, legendary Tom Pinto. Oh my God. And so I've told the story a few times that there was a book that an incredible uh, animation actress and coach and director, Susan Blue, wrote with her partner, Molly Ann Mullen. And the name of the book was Word of Mouth, How to Make Money in Professional VoiceOver. And on the cover of the book was this really multicolored microphone and And when I went to, when I saw the book for the first time, it was in a place called the Samuel French bookstore here in Hollywood. And it drew my attention and I opened the book and there's all these pictures of all these actors in different stages of voiceover recording. And there were names and one of the names was Tom Pinto. And so when I went back to my office at the time, I was a publicist at the time, and I'm talking to a friend on the phone and the woman that worked next to me, her name was Susan Castile. And she walks over and says to me, cause I mentioned Tom's name in the conversation. And she said, do you just mention Tom Pinto? And I said, yes. She said, that's my brother. What are the odds? And the studio that was in the book was called Voice Tracks West, which still exists, but it was in its old location. Tom was the owner along with Nick Omana, who a lot of you will know as well. And I met Tom, Susan arranged a meeting and Tom said, you're 25 you're not married, you have no ties. He said, why don't you dive in? So Tom and Nick were basically my godfathers. These were the two guys that really got me into the world of voiceover. And so even to this day, when I see Tom and I see Nick, it's just, I just have that ultimate respect for them. But the career I had was really, really varied. I worked in promo and commercial and e-learning and trailer and affiliate. There was just in animation and video games. It was such a varied career. But at the height of it, I lost my voice. It completely, one day, just started to fade away. It just, I couldn't tell why. And it, it had created, and I say these things not to be egotistical, a very lucrative yep. career. I mean, very. Um, and so when you're kind of caught in that world of, wow, this is really possible. You're, you're able to actually create a career this successful. And all of a sudden, it just started to unravel for whatever reason, I couldn't figure out why my voice was weak, I couldn't project it. And I found out I was uh, d- diagnosed with a disorder called spasmodic dysphonia. Some of you may have heard of it. It's, it's the medical term for the strangled voice syndrome. So I was told it was a neurological disorder, which it wasn't. And uh, they said the only treatment for this was putting Botox into my vocal cords because they believed, because my cords were spasming, that if you put Botox in the cords, like if you put it into the, yeah. forehead, your right. muscles freeze, which gives a nice smooth texture, but also to your cords. Any of you that know the physiology of vocal cords that they move like this, right? So if you put, if you put Botox in them, they stop moving, which means you're mute. You can't speak. That
0: doesn't exactly
2: bode well. It's for not exactly
0: the diagnosis and, and treatment that we're looking for here.
2: We don't yeah. like that. No. So I said, i uh, not doing that. Uh, and found the only doctor in the world that didn't treat this with Botox. He was based here in West Los Angeles. And his belief was that we all have what's called a vocal identity, that we walk around as an entrepreneur, as a father, a husband, a CEO. It doesn't matter what part, what aspect of life we're talking about, but we use, we chameleonize our voices based on those relationships. My problem, he said, was that I had wanted. I was classically trained as an actor, but started putting voices or sounds on top of the training to be more competitive, to have more of a rasp in the voice. And it worked and it made me a lot of money until all of a sudden, the chords couldn't sustain that inauthenticity and they strangled. So it was relearning basically how to speak. I was put into groups with a lot of people that had the same disorder. And I realized that when they spoke, they were speaking from a place, and, and these people also, by the way, weren't all actors. They were people from every different walk of life. So I realized, wait a minute, when you're speaking authentically, it feels effortless. Yeah. This whole thing was about learning how to speak from your natural voice. At the same time, really quickly, to make ends meet and to get myself out of this depression, which actually was life-threatening. I mean, it, it was I really mean, That's bad. your livelihood falling Where apart. I right? was, that's
0: going to scare the crap out of anyone.
2: Dude, not only that, but it was yeah. my identity. I identified my success by yeah. my voice. And if I locked my voice, then right. who the hell am I? You know, I used to walk around with a wipe-off board. I used to go to stores and use the wipe-off board when I was in, train, I was in therapy with the um, speech pathologist. And that's the way I would communicate. I mean, my career went literally down to a... Like, it yes. just went down to this, you know, funnel, to this small. And so... I started to coach actors to kind of get myself out of the rut. And what I started to do was to teach them how to speak authentically. And when I started doing that, where they weren't using inauthenticity, they started booking more. And they started booking more and more. And people would come back to me and say, this is so effortless. I can't believe I never knew how to do this. You know, because again, and I've said this countless times, we are in an audio-centric business. And when you're using this as the, the, the pulpit of right. approval, yeah, that's a lot. Because you're gonna do what you can to jump over, in, over hoops, over as much as you can to prove to someone that you're worthy of a job, you're worthy of telling a story, and that's where you get into trouble. You know, So again, all of this work that I do comes from the core, it comes from the soul. How does it feel to tell a story authentically? It'll sound that way. How does it feel to tell a story inauthentically, which is out of True Tell? It'll feel that way. Your voice is the, basically the mirror of your soul. It will tell us everything we need to know. So
0: that's kind of the basis of how this all got started. The holiday season is quickly approaching and it is a time of year when voice actors can find a lot of new opportunities. As companies start creating commercial content for holiday sales, as they're updating their phone systems to reflect holiday hours, as they're creating social media and video content surrounding the holidays and all the different things that their product or their service or their brand may be offering, that means voiceover opportunity. I wanna teach you how to cash in on the holidays with all kinds of fun, unique, and interesting ways that you can market your voiceover business this holiday season. Check out the new class that I am offering, Cash In on the Holidays. You can find the details on it and get signed up at VoPreneur.com, and you are going to walk away with plenty of practical strategies and tons of creative ideas for how you can market yourself and your voiceover business this holiday season. Look for the class Cash In On The Holidays available now at veopreneur.com That's veopreneur.com Now back to our show. We got to go into the true tell and you have to tell the truth here because it is the true tell. Why why do you make Mm. everybody cry, Dave? (laughs) You had to know this question was coming. It's so funny. I I actually went into one of my Facebook groups and I said, I'm going to have Dave Walsh on the show. Anybody have any questions they want to ask him? And everybody was like, why do we always cry? Why do we always cry? One of them said, I went and saw Dave at, at a JMC Euro retreat and I actually brought a box of tissues with me to the session because I knew it was like pre-planning for it. So, so why, why do we all cry, Dave? Because, wow, I don't think I've ever answered the question like this before. <laughs> because
2: when you're tapping into the things that make you think, to feel, to be authentic they're pretty raw. And when a lot of times when we're behind the microphone, we don't realize that that is, again, it's voice acting, it's not voice speaking. So it's getting to those places where from your gut, from your core, you tell stories. When you tell them from those places of pleasure and pain, both, it's overwhelming sometimes. And I think, you know, I, I just... I became known. I think Jay Michael co- coined it the crying coach. I think that that was what. Although he actually said to me at VO Atlanta this year, you know, you're like the Mister Rogers of voiceover.
0: That's not. I mean, that's not so bad.
2: Everybody loves Mister Rogers, no, right? No, it's not, dude. Trust trust me. I am very happy to to, to take on that moniker. I really, I really am, um, because for me, I don't know how yep. else to be. I really don't. I don't know how else to to come from that place where I'd gone to such a place of pain myself, all kidding aside, that it really was almost life-ending for me. And so what I feel like I do now is to help people find that place of standing in front of the microphone, feeling like it was worth, the time was well spent, telling the story, whether it's e-learning or corporate narration or commercial or promo or trailer, whatever it is, that there's an effortless connection, a purpose. To behind what you say versus I got a script from my manager, my agent, my pay to play, and I have to book a job. No. (laughs) Because in real life, you're not just doing that. You're not just having conversations haphazardly. Right. There's always a reason why you're doing it. And I think we're in a business now where speed, let's be honest, speed is a big part of this, especially in the pay to play world. Even right. from my agents and now, so,
0: I, the early bird gets the worm. Like they're PSing their auditions. Like the early bird gets the worm. Like they, So even they're trying to get us to, to hurry up now.
2: Yeah. I mean, and I will say that about a deadline with agents and managers. Make no mistake, when they tell you the window closes at say two o'clock Eastern, have it in yeah. way before that. Do not wait. Because what happens a lot of times is agents may not wait for the whole batch yeah. to come in. They'll start spoon feeding those auditions. They don't want to wait till yeah. the last minute. So don't be surprised if, you know, you know, that you keep wondering why you're not booking, or not getting avails or callbacks. Be at the front of the crowd. But what that doesn't mean is sacrificing story for That's speed. That's the
0: irony of all of this, right? Now, the, the agents, on one hand, it's genuine, authentic, conversational. It's all these things. On the other hand, it's hurry up. And so when you're trying to yeah. hurry up, you're not, taking the same amount of time that you should probably be taking to get to genuine and authentic with whatever that particular script or brief may be.
2: Right, and I think what happens is because we're, we're so focused on the, on the clock, on the stopwatch, that we don't take the time to really settle into what is the story about, who am I talking to, why am I telling it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those things are always happening. Your brain, heart, and soul are the same organs you use to tell stories away yep. from this. So I always say this, is that when you put those organs into, when you the juxtaposition here is different where all of a sudden it's a different set of rules, but that's not how the human body, A, responds. B, human beings by nature hear truth and hear lack of truth. They're gonna hear in two seconds if you're connected to the story you're telling. That's why we always use a three to four second rule when it comes to auditions. They're moving on yep. after four seconds. They won't listen. So. What I would advise people in the pay to play space is having that semblance of what it is you're talking about. Do not, now people will disagree with me, do not rip and read. Now you will eventually book something out of a rip and read format. One out of 50, one out of a hundred, one out of 200, whatever. Throw enough spaghetti at the wall because and some of it's
0: okay. bound to stick, right? Yeah
2: exactly and it's yep. a numbers game right but then there's always going to be that one out of 100 one out of 200 script where you you can immediately connect to it the second you read it down you're yep. like this is me but the other 199 times you're not so it's about condensing the efficiency of storytelling yes but it's also getting deeper with it and getting to that core you know it's it, it's the the fortunate unfortunate part of the true tell method or my coaching is that you got to slow it down to speed it up. You do need to somewhat slow it down a bit to really understand what it is and then slowly move the fader up in terms of speed, you know? So yeah, that's it. And and I know it's a double-edged sword. I know it's a real challenge for people in this world that are telling you, you know, if you're spending
0: more than five minutes on your auditions, it's already too late. But then at the same time, you can't get there, right? Like I had Everett Oliver on the on the show recently, and and Everett's like, I could tell, I could tell right away whether or not you tried to, whether you not you read the brief or whether or not you were putting any effort in, or did you just grab it and rip it and read it, and and so it it mm-hmm. does make a difference, you know. I you talked about Tom. I've, I've worked with Tom, and and what I loved about Tom, I was working with him on TV narration, and he was so good yeah. at getting oh. me to visualize, yeah. right. So when you're when you're sitting there yeah. with the script, he's like. He's literally painting this picture as he's directing you of what is on the screen and what you are seeing. And as he does that, and he's talking about what kind of music might be playing in the background and all. And it makes it so easy to find that spot and, and get into that read. When I was watching yep. you in Dublin, what really blew me away about you, because I'd never seen anything like it before. It felt like every one of the people that came up to the podium to do an audition was also going through a mini therapy session. And yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, Everett and I joked about this when we talked, I'm like, why is it that we all need therapy? But I think the reality is that that we all need therapy. But as you were going through that with people and you just have this uncanny ability to peer directly into our souls and like instantly, like these are not, these are not people that you know, these are people that you're seeing for the first time coming into a session, but you just, I don't know, you just look right through them and then you would take them to this place and then they would cry. And then. The difference between the first read and the second read over the span of five minutes was like completely night and day. Where does that come from? Yeah. What, how, where does that ability to see us come from and, and to get out of us what we don't even know is there? I think, wow, um...
2: I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think part of it is I come from a family of teachers and I, my dad was an elementary school principal and a teacher before that for over 30 to almost 40 years. And I've always had an incredible affinity for teachers and a, a, an ultimate respect mm-hmm. for teachers. And so that ability to connect with students, um, uh, that patience, that compassion, that, that, that desire for them to succeed It's kind of at the foundation of it. So I've always had that, but didn't realize I wanted to teach as much as I did once I got sick. And it made it easier. The other thing is that it is all about, I I will say that I had an incredible amount of training from Maurice Tobias. Maurice Tobias is a wonderful coach. Um, She calls herself the voice voice whisperer. That's Maurice's background. And so there was an enormous journey that I took as a human being in terms of my relationship to the work that I did. Then getting sick on top of it, there was a whole kind of uh, dark night of the soul, as I've described. When I came out the other side, it was figuring out my own purpose of what I was meant to do. And the doctor I worked with, Mort Cooper, said to me, you have an ear like I've never experience before that I went, cause he, I actually also worked as his apprentice. Once he had worked with me on my own voice, I worked with other people. So I was secretly going back to school and teaching people how to get out of spasmodic dysphonia for four years. I went back to school to learn the art of the voice. And so I used all of the elements of this kind of combined together to really kind of go through the pain of lack of identity because of your voice and watch people's despair. Going through that, It was such, it is such a deep, visceral experience of lack of, when you can't communicate, when you identify yourself by certain physical attributes, sounds, money, success, when you go through all of this and lose it and then gain it back, there's a, there's a sense of, wow, that soul gets ripped open. So what I started to realize was, as people would come back to me me and we'd start working on copy authentically, I would find the connection, as I had found for myself, of connections to thoughts, beliefs, et cetera, insecurities, inabilities, blockages, challenges, all of those things started to become the foundation of my own coaching. And it just, honestly, Mark, it became kind of natural. It just kind of evolved in a certain way that I found that this was my way Versus somebody else's way. And that's kind of how the method was 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 is formed. Is the
0: whole authenticity, you know, authentic, genuine conversational. Is it is it a style or is it a mindset? It is the society, or I mean even in the business,
2: it has coined conversational as a as a style or a tone. But, but if you
0: ask a hundred people convers- to define it, you get a hundred different definitions.
2: Okay, so first of all, let's say, let's use this frame that I'm talking in, okay? And the frame, what's embedded in the frame of this conversation is the technical execution of how it it means to be conversational in commercial, e-learning, promo, corporate narration, whatever the genre you're working in, okay? The problem is what we do when we hear, when we see on a spec, it says conversational. We feel like we have to fit a square peg in a round hole. Like you're trying to fit into the frame of conversational. But what the hell is the frame of conversational? You achieve conversation through the authenticity of what you say, who you're saying it to and why. The problem is we're trying to invert that and say, I need to sound conversational. Sometimes you'll get the direction and it's well-meaning from, your agent, your manager or director in a session, just just talk to me. Okay, can you give me more of a reference? But it's not their responsibility to give you the reference. They just want it to sound conversational. So you're basically kind of looking at this frame and you're, you're kind of trying to force the frame to show up in a conversation. Whereas if the story you're telling is true, We know from years of experience, from coaching, from life how a commercial sounds, how a promo sounds, how a piece of e-learning instruction, explainer, corporate narration, broadcast narration, we know how those things sound. You don't need to be taught that because if the story you're telling is true, it will show up in the frame of corporate, of promo of commercial, stop trying to make it sound like you think it's supposed to sound. What will come out of that is a conversational read. Now, conversation itself is not just this conversation the way I'm talking now, this is conversational. That's conversational in one form of commercial, but promo conversational sounds different. E-learning conversational has its own sound, but those come from your general visceral understanding of how that sounds versus stop trying to become it. I know that might be a little that, confusing. Well, that's why I try, I try to break but,
0: this down because I don't know, it, it's not a specific sound. That's why I think, like, is it an attitude no. or a mindset that you bring to it that then makes, makes it conversational?
2: It's effortless in the format. It's an effortless read within the format versus trying, trying to, to sound, sound e learning e promo E, commercial E, whatever, those things will come naturally.
0: I think that's the part that throws people off too. Cause like, I I mean, I've, I've been there before where I've seen a, an authentic conversational direction, right. Which is the most generic, ridiculous direction in the world. But I see the script, I get the script. I'm like, Oh yeah. Send it in, nailed it. Like, this is mine. I'm already thinking about how I'm going to spend the money when the check clears. And then I don't book it. And then I hear what booked it. And I'm like, what the heck? What is that? that? That's, that's conversational. That's genuine. That's right. And so that's why I think it's so hard for us because it's trying to figure like, you know, you said about a sound, like we're trying to think of a specific sound and I I don't want to say like a a certain melody or a tempo or a rhythm of how you read it as much as it is just maybe the attitude and mindset that that you approach it. But that's where telling the genuine story comes from, I guess.
2: It is. But the thing that's twofold is that in the audition they do want it conversational they're yep. not kidding what happens a lot of the times and we've those of you that are you know in so many sessions you know that where you begin is yep. not where you end yep. that once it goes through the filter of the brand managers it goes through the, through the creative directors it goes through the powers that be it goes through the agency the clients once it goes through the ringer sometimes it comes out as a as a fraction of yep. what it was or a difference from where you originally auditioned. Um, That happens in some cases, not all, but that's the thing. People will hear it and say, that's not what they wanted. That's not what they asked for. No, but it's what it became. So don't use the final product as the benchmark. Keep in mind that yes, listening to final product is a real important part of our research, right? But again, keep in mind that coming to the story effortlessly Connectedly, that's really the big word is connection, not conversation. Case important about the word conversational. I did a workshop at ABC a number of years ago and the great Townsend Coleman, um, Townie agreed to be my guinea pig, one of the guinea pigs that we opened this up to the entire ABC on air department that included room producers, uh, researchers, directors, whatever. And Townsend agreed to be one of the talent that was directed. And someone in the room, you brought up the word conversational and said, I said to Townie, what does the word conversational mean to you? And Townie looked right back at me and said, absolutely nothing. Yeah. And the room did yes. exactly that. They all went, oh. and I said, because we don't know in what, what, what you're referring to yeah. as conversational. Again, there's promo, conversational, commercial, et cetera. But when Townsend said that, I went, okay, we're... We're all on the same page. They think there's one standard
0: definition of conversational, but there isn't. And that is, therein lies the challenge. So why do you think that authentic, genuine, right? These These words appear in every script. Why is it hammered so much? Is it because we're not delivering it?
2: No, I don't think it's because they're not hearing it. I think it's because it's kind of the state of the culture. I think it's kind of what... They want the world to appear to be. They want an appearance of normalcy. They want an appearance of effortless. Of course, it's also in terms of demographics. They want reads to now be a TikTok read. They want things to sound more of a TikTok nature, of a non-binary nature, of a gender fluidity. I mean, there's there is a there is a um, an expanding of the idea of storytelling in terms of so many different voices, so many different cultures, so many different identities that telling that inauthentically is kind of counterintuitive. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. Right? So the word conversational, yes, it's overused. I would, I would suggest to everybody expect the word to be a given. That's a given. Even if they say masculine, hyper you know, you know, ultra feminine, BFF, authoritative, conversational is in, it's embedded in the direction. That's my so two cents.
0: Dave Walsh is sitting on our shoulder. We're, we're, we're in the booth, we've got this commercial copy that's asking for the authentic, genuine conversational read. And you're, you're sitting here on our shoulder in the booth. What are a couple of things that you're going to whisper in our ear to try to help us to get there? Stop
2: overthinking. Number it one. Really,
0: that is truly an epidemic in this industry. <laughs> We're so good at it. Stop overthinking. Totally.
2: It's, it's really, before you even walk in front of the microphone, it's really understanding what you're talking about. Having done your research, even if it's only a couple of seconds flipping on Google on your phone, whatever it is, find, even if you only have a minute, find some touchstone that when you hit the microphone, there's a sense of of understanding. Because I think if you don't do that, that's such a disservice and a disrespect to the client, to the copy, the writer, you. It's you doing yourself a disservice by not knowing. There is no, and I, I know we could say this till the cows come home, there is no not knowing anymore. There just, there just isn't. There's too much information available, you know, particularly for e-learning and corporate narration is that these companies that, that hire us, we've got mission statements, we've got, you know, uh, there's so much on their websites that we can garner information about. But yeah, it's being prepared and not overthinking. Those are two that I would say are really,
0: those are biggies. That is, uh, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many times a day. Probably, ju- if I do, if I do eight coaching sessions with voice actors in a day, in six or seven of them, I say at some point stop overthinking. Like it's just right. It's, it, so that's not just in the booth. That's in your marketing. It's in your social right. media. It's in your client interactions. It just seems to be something that we do, uh, pretty impressively across the board. But it's it definitely gets in the way more often than not. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me flip that. Let me flip this interview. No, um, for you. Don't make me cry, coach, Dave. I don't no. have any tissues in the booth.
2: <laughs> he'll run, by the way, he'll, he'll just shut run it out down. Of the room and It'll just be <laughs> me and everybody just, you know, he'll shut it down. What would you say for you is probably the, one of the biggest repetitive issues you hear coming from clients, from coach from cl- coaching clients. What's one of the most repetitive issues you feel like co- keeps coming
0: up? Everything comes back to confidence. In some capacity, in some form it all, I think it all ties back to confidence and they, that may not specifically be the way that they see it, but that's how I see it on the outside looking in it. It ties back to confidence there. You know, if you're afraid to do your marketing because you're afraid that they're they're not going to respond well or that they're going to annoy you. Well, to me, that says we've got a confidence problem. You're not confident in your offering or you're not confident in what you deliver. You're not confident in your product or your, or your service in the booth or you know i I can't right. do social media because I'm not that interesting well, maybe you're not confident in yourself and just what you have to offer as a as a a human and, and as a personality and so I think more often than not it seems to stem back to to confidence
2: yeah, I would say that's it, and I think that in the confidence, the lack of the confidence is coming from not knowing it goes back to you know a couple a couple of things one is and this is where that therapy goes <laughs> Well, here we go. Um, How do you feel about yourself as a person? How do you feel about your voice? There are people that have actually said to me in sessions, I really don't like the sound of my own voice. Now, corporate clients have said that to me, but voiceover clients, when they're in front of a microphone and tell me that they really don't like the sound of their voice, oh, there's so much-
0: Totally focusing on the wrong thing at that point too, right? Yeah. Totally. Totally. You know, what is the value-
2: And this works with confidence. What's the value of what I do? What's the value of myself as a performer? What am I bringing to the table? What's the purpose behind the microphone? Because as I say to people all the time, being a voice actor is a total gift. It is an amazing opportunity to empower people, to inspire them. This is where the crying starts. This is where the Kleenex comes in. But it's when when I say these things to each client, it's really true. And that that moves people because maybe sometimes they really do feel down on themselves. Really, they may feel that their voice isn't effective. That I'm going through the motions, and hopefully, I'll hit a hit a job. And you know, but when you connect to it, because you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that that voice, your read, is the read. And you, the read for you. By the way, I don't mean the read for the client. I mean the read that for you is the most connected way you can tell that story, and you send the email you send the mp3 walk away move on it's the confidence to walk away from this to feel like can't get any better than that and one last thing i'm not asking you to shoot for perfection that's not what this is this is about the effortless connection to what you're talking about and saying okay
0: at and the that end of the day time. it's all so subjective anyway that th- The best thing that you can do is just do the best that you can do because to the person that's listening to the hundred or 500 or thousand auditions that were submitted, it's all completely subjective. Even how the, the, the directions that they gave get interpreted is right. So if you're actually trying to nail it, like, I don't think you can get in their head. Right. And so that's why I guess you've got to, be your authentic self deliver your authentic read and you know maybe it's the one they're looking for maybe it's not
2: right but you also need to again this goes back to the research of knowing what the writer's intention for the script is this is why the rip and read only works for so much you know i will say yes we can say that the tech paradigm dictates the work yeah it does but don't make make no mistake the work is the work. The tech can tell us all at once that this is the paradigm, this is this, and this is that, and I get it. But the truth is that if you're working in multiple streams of work, and this includes self-marketing, this goes back to what you do and what you teach every day, is that how are you then marketing yourself? If you live in a pay-to-play paradigm, yes, it is a time-compressed world. However, and I want, I want to hear your thoughts on this, I am seeing... More and more people gravitating towards self marketing mm-hmm. than ever because the world of pay to play is saturated. And it's
0: frustrating.
2: It is so and frustrating and so top heavy. That doesn't mean it's not an effective platform, it is. But it's the fact that so many are on the pay to play plat- platforms that self marketing people, I am, and by the way, I direct people to you all the time because I keep saying it is now an entrepreneurial world and an agency represented world. These two worlds have to exist together for success. They just have to. So, I mean, from your perspective, do you find, do you see more people coming to you for marketing? Do you feel there's an uptick because of the frustration oh, of pay-to-play?
0: 100%. I mean, but the, that's why I stopped using pay-to-plays as many years ago as I did. I mean, I saw that transition happening I probably haven't had an online casting membership in six or seven years, maybe at this point, because I saw the transition happening then. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. I think we went through a massive uptick in 2020 when the whole world was at home and everybody thought they were going to be a voice actor. And they all signed up for pay to plays because it was really easy. And then, you know, a yeah. bunch of them didn't last past the first few months. And, and you know, things kind of settled down in, in 21 again a little bit. And, and but now we're, we're getting back there again. And so I, I definitely think that that's, that's a big part of it is just the, the frustration and, and, you know, you can find work there. Can you find a sustainable family income there? Not for most.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, again, this goes, this goes back to looking at your career. You know, I always say, look at it as an umbrella. I say, look at it as a vista, like looking down over your career and all the elements that are, that are there. Your pay-to-play side, your your self-marketing side, your agency or managerial representatives, if you have them, you know, all of the elements that are available to you or that you use. It's not one over the other. It's the fact that you have, you are in control. Sounds cliche, but you're master yep. of your own domain. You're really running the show for the first time in history. You are absolutely at the in the driver's seat. And that comes with it. Comes a lot of responsibility working with people like yourself. You know whether you're talking about marketing you and Ann Ganguza and people that really are coming from the business side of yep. the business and really giving us you know and you know people like Jonathan Tilly yep. and you know um, Tracy Lindley. and there's so many people that are kind of coming in now and offering this side that has never been there before and that's a, that's indicative of people wanting yep. self-marketing to be a huge part of
0: their yeah, of their sure. career. So. Yeah. I think we've, we've pretty much beaten the genuine authentic horse, but I'm, I'm curious, is there anything else that you see trending, whether that's commercial or promo or, or whatever genre, is there anything that you see? Like, you know, we went through in the pandemic in the early stages of the pandemic, everything was very warm and caring and soft. And, and then when we started to come out on the other side of it, things got a little bit more happy and optimistic and, and where are mm-hmm. we now and, and where are we going? Are you seeing anything that we should be paying attention to? Well, I think that there's,
2: again, there's, there's still the you know, the want for um, more inclusion. We definitely are, are seeing the, the specs for gender neutral, non-binary. We're seeing a lot of that. In fact, there's an actress, uh, there's a show called Sort Of, which is on on Max, I keep going to say HBO Max. I don't know why they changed the name, it's beyond me. But anyway, the show called Sort Of, and uh, there's a trans character, it's a show with a, tr- a trans lead. And the trans lead has a sidekick, a, a, a person that, that they're dating or dating. And this trans woman has the most un. Unbel- in fact, I need to do more research because I did, I should have been more prepared, but I wanna research her because if in fact, She's not a voice actor she should be there is such an amazing authenticity to that to that person's delivery that I, I find myself excited like I was really excited to research her because she needs to be part of this of this side of the business um, so the inclusive aspect of it is still very big um, when it comes to promo uh more and more once the strike ends uh There's such a a conversation about um, episodics for streaming platforms that's becoming much more prevalent. Um, I'm seeing that with a lot more promo. Uh, For the networks, the broadcast networks are being basically, it's down to tags. I mean, it's down to really, particularly with CBS. CBS is really down to a lot of tags. ABC, some of their spots have no voiceover on them at all. So promo is going through a metamorphosis where it's trying to kind of figure out where it's going. Uh, there's been talk of Disney spinning off ABC, yep. believe yep. it or that. not. What does that say about even the broadcast network's yep. futures? What the networks are doing now, CBS is doing this right now, where they're taking all a lot of their product from, uh, from Paramount Plus, from Paramount Network, and they're repurposing it on CBS. They took Yellowstone, which started premiering on CBS, and they're repurposing a lot of their products. So that again, the promo world is kind of in flux. In terms of the reads, I would say there's more international voices than ever. That's a huge change. I'm finding a lot of the middle-aged white guys that found themselves somewhat less employed near the middle of the end of the pandemic working again that there is, and it's not about it being a white reader or white male read. It's about the fact that the, it's, the, the industry seems to be balancing itself out somewhat now. That it's not so top heavy, it's not so yep. ethnic. It's finding its way to find some kind of an equilibrium. So I think there's more opportunity for people that have kind of held a lot of those traditional positions. But I think again, I even say to those clients, from a place of authenticity. Stop trying to make it what you think they yeah. want. Because you have a basso profundo voice, a lower baritone voice, or a, you know, even for for the women, the the, the sense of self, that that kind of real authentic confidence. That's gonna cut through.
0: Yeah. I uh just before this interview, I was reading over specs from a, a client for a job, and they said we want it to sound um, very, I think they use the word cinematic and, and kind of trailer-ish. And they said, you know, like a superhero trailer. So I'm like, okay. So I, I go onto YouTube and I do a search for Marvel trailers and I watch like 15 Marvel trailers and not a single one of them had a narration in it. I was like, well, how the heck, <laughs> what does a superhero trailer sound like? It sounds like it doesn't have a voiceover. That's what it sounds like. But so right. yeah, you're right. There's definitely some some shifts that are taking place in, in some of those genres, but you know, I got to ask the question because I've been asking everybody the question to get their take. Synthetic voices. Yeah. Are you are you worried? Mm. Do you think it's going to be a factor not in the genres that you are are involved in? What, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, I already have a client who was advised that her voice was being replaced by what they called, what they called experts. I don't know what that means, but that the client is also considering replacing the voice completely with AI. This is the first time I've actually heard a client had the word, the letters AI in the conversation, saying you're being replaced by potentially, by potentially by AI. I say this to everyone, beat AI at its own game. Now, the thing about AI, as some of you may know, because of reports you've watched, there was a story on 60 Minutes that was terrifying a couple of weeks ago about, about AI. And a recent episode of Bill Maher where they were talking about it as well. Um, AI doesn't know the context in which nouns and verbs are used. So there's a, there's a lilt in the read, it doesn't make sense. You can tell an AI voice yep. so many times, but it is getting better. The most important thing the, that we all can do, two things, one is being vocal, contact Tim Friedlander, Karen Gilfried, the, 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 the gang yep. at NAVA, are doing amazing things. You know, uh, Zeke Alton and Sissy Jones and Lindsey Rousseau, those guys are, they're breaking their asses for us. And we need to really support them. sag After is doing it as well, but sag After is really taking its direction from NAVA. I mean, it's pretty incredible what Tim and the, and the yep. crew have done. Second thing, more importantly, directly is double down on story. Let's go back to compressing your reads. In the end, what's going to happen is the people with the weakest storytelling are going to be the ones that literally get thrown off the ship first. We've already seen the attack at the IVR level. It's getting attacked at um, the at the explainer level. I mean, it's it's finding its way. I think. Yes. Is it going to change the world? Absolutely. There are parts of this that are terrifying. However, we have an opportunity to be that much better at what we do because in the end, I say to people, be the cockroach
0: of voiceover.
2: There's going to be a nuclear
0: holocaust. What an interesting way to put it, but I totally get the point, right? Be the cockroach yes. of
2: voiceover.
0: <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. The story, I know, it's. I,
2: this is why I don't you get should, invited You to should trademark that. Singles. You so
0: could I, build a whole brand around I that. I should, man. The cockroach of voiceover with Dave Walsh coming to VO Atlanta, 2024. (laughs) (laughs) Totally.
2: And and it's, I, you got me thinking actually, man, I I already have my, 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 my things in place, but yeah, man, it's, it's being, it is being the best storyteller you possibly can be in whatever format we're talking about. I'm talking about across the board. That is what's the most important. The
0: irony is not lost on me that, Every single direction, every single spec of every single voiceover calls for genuine and authentic. And some of these companies are simultaneously thinking about synthetic voices, and and yep. one of these things is not like the other. Something something doesn't fit there. But
2: no, it, it it doesn't. And I think what's what's also true is that I'm finding from the research I'm doing because I I, I can't possibly to get in the brain of Tim Friedlander. I don't know how he does what he does because. He knows so much about this that he spouts off that I, my head's going to explode. It's, it's, there's yep. that much. But the thing that I do understand from what uh, the research that these, this gang is doing is that the tech industry itself is taking direction from us. They don't know how to value it. They don't know how to yep. price it. This is a complete unknown yep. to them. And they're asking. Well, I don't say they're asking. They're listening. If, if we're offering, they're, they're listening. Like, yeah. Yep. they're listening and so this is why i say our voices are so important yep. Yep. right now so i really implore people please do not stick your head in the sand on this one because that's the one thing i've been
0: saying all along right is yep. is if we stick our head in the sand then this whole thing evolves without our input and and that is not a place where i want to be i would rather be a part of the conversation while it is being shaped and we're we're figuring some of this stuff out and and i'm i am grateful to have an organization like Nava who is speaking so strongly and so loudly and so intelligently right now too, right? They're not just out there. It's not a pitchfork mob that's coming after it. It's let's participate in the conversation in a a productive way. And I I think that's going to have a big impact.
2: I think so too. I really, I really do. So absolutely,
0: I have said this about you before, and I don't say this about too many coaches. I've said this about you before that I think that every voice actor should do at least one session with Dave Walsh, because I think that we all need to we all need to have you peer into our soul and, and help us figure out what's going on there so that we can get that out of the way, start delivering better reads. Uh, let's talk a little bit about if somebody wants to, to coach with you, uh, what does that process look like? How do, we, uh, how do they make that happen? It's, um,
2: it's easy. The best thing you can do is to reach out to me through my website, which is Walsh, W-A-L-S-H, voiceovercoaching.com. I used to, it used to be Walsh VO, but the problem was the letters VO, when I would say that to somebody, they would, they would say v. am like, yes, as in voiceover. So I just spelled <laughs> it out to make sure it just Voiceover coaching. Yep. I swear. Uh, and then my email is Dave at WalshForceOverCoaching.com. And you could just reach out to me that way. It's really simple. Um, I'm also on Instagram, WalshForceOverCoaching uh, and Facebook as well. And Twitter. And so it's, and they're all at dot Walsh, coaching.com on Twitter, actually. But uh, yeah, and please, and LinkedIn, of course. But yeah, please, um, I'm always available. I always, I would love to have conversations with people that are looking to make make that change and make that difference. Yeah. And I, and I, first of all, again, thank you for your, I mean, dude, I, I well, please, I'd have to come we'll, and, you we'll know, see if we can get you a couple know, more
0: signups, Dave. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to make amends for Ireland. <laughs> It was so bad. Just bring me up. To, just smoke. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, man. What an ass. Yeah. Hello. Yep. <laughs> that, it's, he's, not, he's not lying, folks. No, man. It, it was that bad.
2: But it was so cool, though, man. I just, it was a great experience. And, and it's now been four years. And uh, it's, it's awesome. So again, dude, thank you so much for letting me be a so, part of this. Uh, so
0: one more question. Rick D's in the weekly top 40 Casey's top 40, which one? (laughs) I figured I knew the answer because I know what your social media content is,
2: but the social media content. So it's Casey's. So it's American top 40. Uh, Rick D's top 40. that. That goes back. That was a long time. Yeah. No American top 40 is no, it's the tried and true. It is, it is the thing that I have no life that when I, you know, don't coach, I'm creating these, you know, these questions for classic American top 40 because I don't know if you know this is that, so IHeart radio has an American top 40 channel wow. and they play all of the shows with no commercials, but they play the entire show. This. And they do one show in the seventies, one show from the eighties, one show from the seventies, one show. Wow. they go back and forth. And so what I did was I would be playing it in the gym in the morning and I'd say, Ooh, that makes a great question, <laughs> write it down. And then I do the video for it. Um, but what I found was people liked it. People were, you know, people that are of a certain age and are just love music, you know, take it, take part in it. I haven't done it in a while, um, but I need to get so there's back there's to it. there's an expectation so.
0: there now. See, Thanks. Casey Kasem was like literally my hero. When I was a kid, I thought he did the countdown and I was like, okay, this guy works four hours a week. That is my dream job. I think I can handle four hours a week, but then he was also so many of the voices on Scooby-Doo, which was my favorite cartoon when I was a kid. So, Like that Casey Kasem is the reason I went into radio and then my first trip to LA, which was in 2016, the only thing that I had to do when I was in LA was go to his star on the Walk of Fame. Like if I didn't get to do anything else, like if nothing else happened the whole entire time. I didn't care. I just needed to go and see his star and, and get my, my picture taken there because he really like that. He was the guy for me. Like that was the that was the reason that I ended up in radio and, and uh, you know, where, so where, which is where it all, it all started from, so.
2: That's amazing. I don't know if a lot of you know this, Mark. I don't know if you know this, too, is that Casey became the voice of NBC for probably two years, maybe three, uh, around 1980. 1980, 82. He was the voice of uh, a lot of, if not most of their primetime shows. So he was, he was also in promo on television, too. So That's the man. Yeah, that's so cool, man. I, I that you went yep. to see a star. That's really cool. He was
0: the man, and now you're the man, yeah. Dave. Thank Absolutely. you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing, buddy.
2: My my pleasure. I just uh, again,
0: I thank you for all this. And and
2: and one of the things I also want to kind of also mention because I know it's coming up is the 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 voiceover days of Christmas. Twelve voiceover days of Christmas, which I find to be one of the most amazing and such a sweet thing to do for the industry every year. I think it's a really, it's just a great way to kind of give back and for people to be involved in something. And I think it's, it really, again, just, you know, other than the fact that you're pissing, um, really kind of. Shows,
0: it <laughs> totally doesn't jive with the, the way you he, experienced and then the 12 voiceover gifts of Christmas. You're like, how does that guy do that thing? <laughs> I thought he was really sweet. I, I guess not. Um, but I, I
2: really, I I've never said this publicly like this live. And I, I again, I know it's coming up, but I wanted to, uh, Thank you, you know, uh, prematurely for it because I, I think every year, every this becomes a really fun thing. So to that means you're in. Part of. I knew what's going to happen <laughs> if I
0: said that. Yes, Absolutely. of course I'm all in. All right, there you go, Dave Walsh, first confirmed yeah. for the 12 voiceover gifts of Christmas 2023 edition. Dave, thank you so much for your yeah. for your time, for your wisdom, for sharing with us, and and for the heart that you have for the voice actor and and really truly helping us to to find our True Tell, even if even if you do make everybody cry. We, we still we still love you and appreciate you. Of course, you.
2: thank you. And so does my Kleenex <laughs> investment, thank you. Thank you so much
0: for that. Thanks everybody, thanks Mark. Dave is a guy that I have so much respect for because he is so insightful, but he is also one of the most genuine guys. He just cares. He cares about every single voice actor that he works with, he cares about the industry, and he cares about helping us to get better even if that means helping us work through some things and maybe making us cry a little bit in order to be able to get there. And I stand by my statement that I think that every voice actor should do at least one session with Dave Walsh. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. I hope that you've learned some things and I hope you're just a little bit closer to being able to find your true tell. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you've learned something new in this episode, let me know that you're listening and share it. Tag me in your Instagram stories at Mark Scott. And I would really appreciate it if you would take the time to leave a five-star review anywhere you are listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next one.
1: The Everyday VOPreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. You have a great website, right? Well, make sure you host it at some place that
2: doesn't suck. Hey, it's Brad Newman, fellow VO Pro for 28 years and owner of UpperLevelHosting.com. People ask why us, and that's simple. We make it easy, respect your time, save you money, and just make all the magic happen. You don't need to know all the tech stuff when it comes to hosting your website. We got you. Ask around tens of thousands of client interactions later and six years of amazing customer service and not a single negative complaint ever. Upperlevelhosting.com.
1: And see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at Vopreneur.com.